Did you ever think being a woman who wanted it all would be so hard? I didn't either. That's why my guests and I are unveiling the issues and challenging the norms of modern womanhood with the intention of exploring and publicly airing the uncomfortable and the unspoken. No topic is taboo as we search for answers to the questions that most people are too ashamed to ask. Welcome to Single at 30, the manual for the modern woman. So, are you in? So about a year ago, pre-pandemic, when life was somewhat normal, one of my oldest friends flew in from LA. It was the week between Christmas and New Year, and it was the first time I was going to meet her long-term partner. What I didn't know, though, was my friend had plotted to set me up with one of his business colleagues by seating us together. When I first sat next to Scooby, I should probably mention that's what I actually called him because he reminded me of Scooby-Doo, there was not a bone in my body that was attracted to him. Like, my usual type is Ryan Phillippe from Cruel Intentions or Nate from Gossip Girl, and this guy kind of looked like a short, wog version of Russell Crowe from Gladiator. But as the dinner went on, he started to kind of grow on me. I told him about my pre-COVID plans to move to New York, and he immediately started to offer help. Basically, he was going to put me in touch with a lawyer to help with my visa. This was because he was from LA, but mentioned he had an apartment in New York, which he said I could crash at for as long as I wanted. Oh, and thinking back, he even said he shared my habit of meditating daily and was equally obsessed with science. So when the dinner finished at midnight, and as he walked out, Scooby asked if I wanted to get a drink with him. As it was silly season and I'm attracted to guys who are forward like that, I said yes. We ended up at Employees Only, which is actually one of my favourite bars in the city, and sat in the corner right at the back. Two drinks in, although he was talking about his crazy ex and how self-made he was, he somehow continued to grow on me and we ended the night with a kiss. Over the next week, he pursued me like crazy. I woke up to morning texts, went to bed with goodnight texts and was invited to eat every meal with him for five days. He begged me to spend New Year's Eve with him even though I had already agreed to spend the night at a house party on Bondi that was being thrown by the same friend who had set us up and who was actually heading back to LA at the end of the week. So basically I told Scooby I couldn't join him and he then agreed to meet me at a party on Bondi instead. I don't know if anyone remembers the crazy weather on New Year's Eve in 2019 in Sydney, but the winds were gale force and I wasn't that keen on heading out. I actually remember thinking how I would have preferred to drop a sleeping pill and wake up in 2020, but his text telling me how much he wanted to see me got me excited to spend the night with him. But like, in the end, I kid you not, he didn't even show up. To cut a really long story short, I was furious and the next morning I woke up to 10 missed calls and a bunch of apology texts. When I finally answered, he pretended to cry and said things like he was falling in love with me and that he hadn't felt this strongly towards a girl before. I told him that was deeply concerning given he had been engaged and we'd only just met, but he swore by it and even invited me to Mexico with his friends and family the following week. After pressure from the friends who set us up, I agreed to meet with him again. He was actually the perfect gentleman. He picked me up from my house, held my hand all the way to the cocktail bar around the corner and spent a couple of drinks apologising profusely. I so foolishly forgave him and that ended up being literally one of the biggest mistakes I've like ever made. I didn't go to Mexico, obviously, but he did, and he spent the entire trip blowing up my phone with I miss you messages and photos of where he was. It was relentless, except for this one night where he went radio silent. It literally still gives me chills because I remember so, so clearly freaking out about not hearing from him because it was so out of character. But my stepmom and friends told me I was insane and that it was nothing because the rest of his actions indicated he was into me. 
I didn't sleep that night, like not a wink, because I was up stalking his so-called crazy ex on Instagram who just so happened to also be in Mexico. Although I was definitely anxious about their close proximity, there was no evidence of them being together and when I heard from him the next day, he just claimed to have had lack of service. He was supposed to return to Sydney the following week but ended up stringing me along for a month and a half, continuously changing his travel plans at the very last minute. Like I mean telling me he was flying out the next morning and then not actually booking a flight or just delaying it. I basically survived off miss you texts and a few FaceTime calls until he finally followed through and came back to Sydney. The entire time he was away, he couldn't stop telling me how much he wanted to rent a house and spend quality time with me, but when he actually got back, he ended up crashing at his parents and booking a return trip to America to leave 48 hours later. I just remember being so livid and so cut, and in total we ended up having two days together and on the second night the ex somehow randomly came up at dinner. Out of nowhere, he retracted his previous comments about her being crazy, saying she was actually a really nice person. I remember thinking that was odd, but was too pissed off about the entire situation and basically didn't dig deeper. After he left, he strung me along for another two months with his usual miss you texts and promises to help set me up in New York and hang out with me. He was meant to fly back to Sydney in March that year to celebrate both his and his grandma's birthdays, which coincidentally fell one day before mine. I was so excited to see him again, but a week before his arrival, I received a text at 10.30 at night saying, My girlfriend in LA is pregnant. She's been pregnant since January. Please don't contact me anymore. Please respect my wishes. That, just thinking about that message still gives me chills. To say I was shook is an understatement. And after the initial shock, I remember spending the remainder of that night pacing in between panic attacks and tears on the phone to my stepmom while she tried to desperately calm me down. Although I didn't respond to the message, I also didn't sleep that night. And the next day he texted me again saying, hey, did you receive a text from me last night? Basically, it turns out it was the ex who messaged me, but he admitted she was pregnant and that everything he had ever told me was a lie. My gut was right. All along, he had actually sat with his ex the night he was supposedly out of service in Mexico. He had also been living with her back in LA the entire time we were in contact. Upon reflection, I literally can't believe how much of a mug I was because there were, and this is obviously an understatement, neon red flags from the first night I met him. My idea of a red flag is that it's some kind of intuitive indicator that something needs to be questioned. Like, for example, a red flag in a flatmate might be that they keep missing their rent and coming up with different excuses as to why. But red flags in a partner, however, might include, for example, the entire love affair I had with Scooby. Thinking back, he was actually quite textbook. I recently read about the concept of love bombing, which is a red flag we should all be aware of. It's essentially a modern dating term, but basically love bombing is when someone overwhelms you with things like praise, attention, and grand gestures as a manipulation technique. According to professional counsellor Tabitha Westbrook, love bombing is most often done by a narcissist with the intent of drawing in and gaining control over the person who is being love bombed. It's pretty freaking clear to me now that Scooby was love-bombing me from the start with his grand gestures and promises of help once I got to New York. When you actually think about it, what normal person offers for someone to stay rent-free in their apartment on the other side of the world the very night they meet them? And like honestly, what well-adjusted adult tells someone they love them after standing them up on New Year's Eve and having known them for only a handful of days? But he did also display another common red flag by talking about the crazy ex. Men and women often do this when they're either not over the axe or not taking responsibility for their role in the relationship breakdown. If a guy has had five crazy axes, the chances are they are the problem. Another red flag that I should have picked up on, though, was Scooby's breadcrumbing. 
For anyone who hasn't been a victim of this before, like me, breadcrumbing is another modern dating term. This time for when someone strings you along with flirtatious but non-committal texts and calls or with empty promises that they have little intention of fulfilling. The list of Scooby's red flags obviously goes on. Uh, I remember he also lied about meditating daily and showed literally no evidence of being scientifically literate. Surprise, surprise. And a list of all the red flags you should watch out for in a partner might fill an entire book. But here are some of the more common ones that I also have experience with. The first one that comes to mind is when they gaslight you. So soon after Scooby, I rebounded straight into a mini relationship with an ex-actor and director of an Australian soap opera. Just thinking back makes me cringe because that alone should have been a red flag. But anyways, we dated for about four weeks and I soon became suspicious of how active he was online. He was on Instagram until the early hours of the morning most days. He would also often post flirtatious photos of himself that were out of character for a 40-year-old dad who was supposedly dating me. And he was on every single dating app. No joke, you name it, he was on it. When I raised my concerns with him, he would insist I was being dramatic and that there was no reason to worry. Four weeks into the relationship, though, I discovered he was chatting up women not only on dating apps but also on Instagram and had even cheated on me with another woman he had met through Tinder. Tinder! However, he was so confident in his gaslighting abilities that he literally drove me to a restaurant and made a reservation in front of me for him and the woman he cheated on me with and said the booking was for a friend. But that wasn't the only red flag. Another one that comes to mind is when they have a problem with addiction. I should have noticed from the five bottles of wine the very same guy ordered on our first date that he had a drinking problem, obviously. There wasn't a single time that we hung out that he wasn't drunk and even had a breath tester in his car from a prior DUI. One time, I remember so clearly, I even had to sober him up with an egg and bacon roll and drive him to work in the morning because he blew over the limit. I mean, seriously, if that's not a red flag, I just don't know what is. But another red flag that comes to mind is when they pressure you to get physical before you're ready, and they basically have a massive sense of entitlement. This is something pretty much every girl I know has experienced at some point in their life. Most recently, I dated a guy who, one week after I met him, on the eve of my 32nd birthday, tried to have sex with me. When I said no, his response was, well, could you at least give me head then? I just want to share a word of advice for anyone who ends up in this position. If a guy does this to you, fuck them off and run for the hills. In another example of modern chivalry, a couple of years ago, I went on a date with a guy who I met through Tinder. When he tried to get me naked and I said no, he accused me of being body conscious and then asked if I had a deformed vagina. This man was 35 and worked in finance. He may be good at picking stocks, but he's fucking terrible at seducing a woman. Another red flag is when your significant friends or family don't like your partner or who you are when you're around them. This one was a major lesson for me in my last relationship. Basically, I learned that family and friends can sometimes be a better judge of character than you when you're blindsided by love. You also shouldn't have to hide who you really are in order to feel accepted or understood by your partner. And even though your family and friends can sometimes get it wrong, if they truly think you're not right for each other, they could be onto something. The next red flag that I see all the time has to do with when your partner talks negatively about women in general and especially in the bedroom. An ex of mine who practices as a lawyer, I remember so clearly he once told me that he only likes to be in a courtroom with a male judge and if he ever walked into a courtroom that had a female judge, he would feel uncomfortable. This obviously immediately highlighted his backward values, to say the least, and unsurprisingly, it also warned me off him. But another pet peeve of mine and one that I commonly come across has to do with when guys talk badly about their ex-partners in the bedroom. 
things like when they talk about how good or bad they were at giving head. First of all, that's private information that shouldn't leave the bedroom. Secondly, if you have a problem with what your partner's doing in the bedroom, it's up to you to communicate that to them and work on improving it. With the apparent obviousness of all these red flags, though, you think we would not only be more alert to them, but also able to avoid them. But if you're like me, you often find yourself continuously attracting them or even, shamefully, enthusiastically running towards them. And if you're really lucky, like me, sometimes both. So I guess the question is, why do we frequently ignore red flags? The answer is the truth is often too painful to deal with. Like, if I had gone with my gut instinct and actually accepted that Scooby was probably sleeping with his ex in Mexico the night he went MIA, it would have immediately confirmed the holiday romance we had was a complete sham and that the American narrative we developed together would never become a reality. But I also think we also ignore red flags because we've been sold the idea that good relationships take work and are based on compromise. And although they do that doesn't excuse anything and everything and shouldn't blind us. For people who are often too dismissive of potential partners because of minor flaws, like myself, we're constantly, constantly, constantly told by friends and family to be more open-minded and to give people the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes this can be good advice, and sometimes, like in the case of Scooby, it turns out to be bloody disastrous. With all that said, it can sometimes be too easy to create red flags in your head. Personally, I'm a freaking expert at this. I haven't gone past the first date with guys because of things like them having poor dress sense, not being spiritual enough, or even because they only ordered fried food over dinner. Or my fave faux red flag ever is because they were a vegan. I've even gotten the ick because a guy I was dating constantly kissed me on the forehead. Fortunately, one thing I've realized over my 32 years of existence, though, is that a lot of the time these self-imagined red flags are more indicative of my own values and expectations and aren't necessarily good indicators of who I should and shouldn't be dating. But thankfully, not all flags are red, whether they're imagined or not. Something cool I recently learned about was green flags. They're the ones you want to find in a partner, and according to Claire Byrne's article on Kourtney Kardashian's site Poosh, green flags to look for in a potential partner. Some of the most important green flags are things like when they make plans to see you in advance. Basically, there's no game playing. They make it clear they're interested and they follow through on arrangements. Another one is when they respect your vulnerability. When you share sensitive information and details about your life with them, they don't judge you. Instead, they want to understand you and help you be the best version of yourself. They also ask you questions about yourself. Basically, they're sincerely interested in who you are and what values you have. They want to know about things like your family, friends, and work life, as well as your past and your hopes for the future. The next green flag has to do with when they want the same things you want. Essentially, your values and goals are aligned, and you have the same vision for your future. Another one has to do with respecting your time. They don't cancel last minute and don't try to overburden your schedule without consulting you first because they know your time's important. And the last one is they tell you how they feel about you. Communication is transparent and consistent. They make you a priority and aren't afraid to tell you how they feel. But a couple of green flags I'd like to add to the list that I think are equally important include things like when they support you being your own person outside of the relationship. You don't have to give up your hobbies and passions to be with them. In fact, they encourage you to keep doing the things you love. This one is one that means a lot to me because often I date guys who are attracted to me for the interests I have but simultaneously want me to drop them to spend time with them. Influenceability is also another green flag that I just learned about. According to Dr. John Gottman, it describes a couple's willingness to not only respect each other's opinions, but also allow themselves to be influenced by each other for the good of the relationship. 
Interestingly, studies have actually shown there's a strong connection between influenceability and long-term relationship success. Unsurprisingly, though, men are more resistant to being influenced by their partner, but according to Dr. Gottman, there is an 81% chance of a marriage ending when the man is unwilling to allow their partner to influence them. He suggests you can detect influenceability by noting whether your partner asks your opinion and whether they consult you when making decisions or changing plans. But even after you learn about red and green flags, it's not always easy to identify them in practice, let alone act on them. And that's why I think it's worth mentioning two books I've recently read. Not only do I think they should be taught in school, I also think they're generally worth reading in order to understand yourself on a deeper level and have literally recommended them to all of my friends and family. In essence, they can help you fine-tune your ability to pick up red and green flags and would have been a freaking game-changer for me had I read them sooner. The first book is The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman, and the second is Attached, The New Science of Adult Attachment and How It Can Help You Find and Keep Love by Amir Levine and Rachel S.F. Heller. The Five Love Languages I couldn't recommend more because basically explores five different ways of expressing and receiving love. They include things like words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. And unsurprisingly, different people tend to prioritize these love languages differently. Personally, words of affirmation is my main love language, but I often date men whose love language is physical touch. Having this insight earlier would have saved me a lot of unnecessary heartache because I wouldn't have interpreted their lack of communication as a lack of genuine interest and affection. But also knowing your partner's love language can help you to show affection in a way that they authentically value too. And then attach, which I just also loved reading, is all about the attachment modes we develop early in life and which stay with us into adulthood. We're often unaware of these and the impact they have on us in everything we do. But after reading the book, I realized that everyone I was dating in my 20s was fundamentally incompatible with me. I won't go into too much detail here because I could do a whole episode about them and would love to one day interview someone better versed on the matter. But the attachment styles include secure, anxious, avoidant, or if you're one of the rare few like me, fearful avoidant. But if you don't like to read that much and you're still interested, you can take the five love languages and attachment style tests online. I'll leave a link to both in the show notes. So where does that leave us? As you now know, not identifying and avoiding red flags has led to some of the most catastrophic and traumatic relationships in not only my life, but the lives of the people closest to me. And creating imagined red flags in my head has probably prematurely ended what could have been some great relationships. But at the end of the day, no human is perfect. We're all flawed. And unlike me, you shouldn't drop someone because of their dress sense or whether they ordered fried food for the table. But whatever you do, don't make one of the biggest mistakes of your life and ignore red flags that will cost you in the long term. Listen to your gut and check in with your family and friends. And if all else fails, make your potential suitor take the love language and attachment style tests online. It might bring you closer to understanding if they're the one for you and could save you a lot of time. If nothing else, you'll have a lot of fun doing it. Thanks so much for listening to this Single at 30 episode, The Biggest Mistake You'll Ever Make. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and hit follow and subscribe. Make sure to keep an eye out for next week's app that will include a very special guest who's currently heading a national movement. If you have an episode idea, DM me on Instagram at single underscore at underscore 30 or join the Single at 30 closed Facebook group to become part of the community where together with other like-minded modern women, we publicly air the uncomfortable and the unspoken. As always, no topic is taboo as we search for answers to the questions most people are too ashamed to ask. This is Single at 30, the manual for the modern woman that we are writing together.